Thanks for being here this evening. My name is Kevin Conover, and you are listening to, if you're down here in Southern California, it's KPRAZ, KPRZ, 1210 AM. Um, we're local down here, and we're also broadcasting FM 106.1 in North County. You can check us out there. And then, of course, we're all over the place, all over YouTube and social media and uh, all the different outlets that there are available there. We're podcasts and everything. And, um, you know, there's some interesting things going on, a lot of interesting things going on in the country. Um, it's it's uh, pretty wild. It, it's uh, If you're trying to stay up on everything, it, it can be pretty exhausting. But uh, obviously, you know, some of the big things that happen, of course, is Queen Elizabeth passed away. Um, she died September 8th. And uh, uh, incredible um, person, very long time as, a, as the uh, monarch there of, um, of Britain. And, um, she has been succeeded by her son, King Charles III. And, uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, Britain is different than us. They have a constitutional monarchy. Um, we have a, um, a democratic Republic. And so uh, it's, they, they don't actually have an official, uh, written constitution. It's, a, it's, uh, been, it's a historical, um, document that essentially what they've done is they've accumulated, uh, historical, records and laws and all these sorts of things. And they've come together to have a constitutional monarchy. So um, they put limits on what the monarchy can do. And essentially, they they don't do anything now, if you if you know anything about that. Um, something else really interesting is that next week is actually Constitution Week. And um, this was uh, started by the Daughters of the American Revolution. In 1955, uh, that organization petitioned Congress to set aside September 17th through the 23rd to be dedicated for the observance of Constitution Week. That resolution was adopted by US Congress and signed into law on August 2nd, 1956 by President Eisenhower. And um, their stated aim was to emphasize citizens' responsibilities for protecting and defending the Constitution, to inform people that the Constitution is the basis for America's great heritage and the foundation for our way of life, and to encourage the study of the historical events which led to the framing of the Constitution in 1787. And my guest today is an expert on these the, uh, the Constitution and America's heritage, um, Macy Campos. He's a first-generation American. He's a third-generation preacher. Both his parents were born and raised in Mexico. They immigrated to America as young adults and uh, to pursue the American dream. Him and his two brothers and one sister grew up traveling as a family because their father was an evangelist. And he has been speaking to audiences all over the country in high schools, colleges, churches, all over the place, um, specifically about the fact that our liberties come from God. He's also the assistant pastor of Revive Church in Florida and lives with his family in Florida. Macy, thanks a lot for being on the program today. Yeah, no problem, man. I, thanks for having us. I'm stoked. I'm stoked, man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, I, I love the title of your organization, The Self-Evident Truth dot com self-evident truth um give us the background there what why did you choose that uh, of all the different things you could have chosen yeah. to um, title your organization why that it's it's it was it was a it was a very easy but difficult decision i'll tell you why um we could have said you know we're the patriot america there's a lot of those there's a you know usa this or whatever all of our colors you'll see they're not red white and blue and it's not because we we we're downgrading america this is why we did it Self-evident in kid terms today means duh, like they're just duh truths like that. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a known fact that we have a creator. So to our founders, it was not a hard thing to talk about a creator, God, uh, those kinds of things in their personal writings. I wrote a lot about Jesus Christ, not all of them, but most did. 
Yeah. And so uh, the self-evident truth is God gives us rights. They're unalienable, right? They're non-transferable. And so, but also government was instituted among men to preserve and protect those rights. That's it. Not to be arbiters of morality, not to be involved in your life. Uh, the constitution was specific about it's against the federal government. It's not against the, the citizen. And so the self-evident truth was God gives me rights and they need to be protected. And they wrote those things because in our Republic, which we're a constitutional Republic, that the that the government itself has a check and balance against itself. So this is the first republic of its kind where the government is actually held to a standard of its own, which is the Constitution. So when we were talking about a name and stuff like that, we thought, you know, what better name than a presuppositional truth that God exists, he gives me rights, and the purpose of government is to preserve and protect those rights. Those three points made self-evident what self-evident is, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because I don't think a lot of people understand that in our country today. They don't, they don't understand the, the, they don't even understand what that means, a self-evident truth. And they don't understand why it's in the declaration. Um, and that's kind of a scary thing because if you don't, if you don't understand this and you don't understand the significance of belief in God, um, and how that impacts, you know, how society runs and how government acts, then you think to yourself, ah, what's the big deal, whether I believe in God or not, whether, whether I'm an agnostic or I'm an atheist or whatever I am. Um, and, and so that's a huge issue. And that's why you're speaking on these subjects. I do. And and if government understood that someone's above them, they wouldn't pull half the stuff that they're pulling today. Mm -hmm. um, the more we because government, this is what's so funny about government, they think they have power. It's the worst thing that can be said during election time. The transfer of power now goes to such. Yeah. No, there are representatives. They don't have power. We, the yeah. people, have that power, and it's vested in a constitution. Now, we as the people could relinquish that power and give more authority to a federal government, which you're seeing today. But the yeah. purpose of the central government was not to do that. States' rights were more important. And we've been harping on this for years, for the last eight years, eight, nine, almost nine years of us doing this. States' rights were really important to us. And we used to get laughed at, dude. <laughs> like, it's like, states' rights, are you kidding me? You know, we need a better president. We need this. No, because you're clamoring for a king and we see what monarchs do, you know, yeah. like kingdoms uh, not always are a Queen Elizabeth. You know, you don't have that kind of benevolence and that kind of heart. Uh, and, and so monarchs, for the most part, they just do anything at their own whim. You know, so when when we don't believe in God, guess who becomes God? Government does. So now government is telling us how to live, what kind of car to drive, how much power you can use. Uh, what kind of foods you should eat? Shoot, you should shut down your business because there's a pandemic right now. Uh, you know, get a vaccine or else type of thing. That was not the purpose of civil government. That was not at all the purpose of what the founders established. They wanted me to be free under God with my conscience. What that means is that doesn't mean a theocracy. That doesn't mean where God takes over government, that we've seen that happen. That's essentially what the monarchy was in England was, okay, the Pope was king, whatever. They got his directives from God. Then he says, the rubber stamp that a lot of Christians use today is God told me, well, how are you going to refute that? You know what I mean? So yeah, when the King and the Pope or slash Pope would say, well, God told me, well, how are you going to refute that? Well, it's dangerous to put God's voice in one person. Mm -hmm. So our consciences are supposed to be upright before God. Doesn't mean you have to believe in the Lord, right? Because uh, the John Adams said this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. You see the distinction because there's religious people and then there's moral people too. And, and those are, to me, they're, they're, they're not one and the same. I want you to be saved. I want you to be saved by the blood of Christ. But there are moral people too. And so you got to weigh out the fruit of someone's life. And in these days today, no God, look at our nation, what happens when we don't have a standard anymore. And so like you said, the self-evident truth, it's such a lost 
uh, uh, lost presupposition. Yeah. And, and what happens is then there's no ultimate standard and therefore people just make up things on the whim. Like, is it really, really murder if it's just a fetus, quote unquote? You know, is it really bad if a kid wants a sex change? Is it really bad if if parents let kids do what they want to do? Is it really bad if people become alcoholics? Is it really bad if there's a little bit of adultery? Is it really bad if our movies and media really lie? That's what happens when you don't have a standard. We have what we have in our nation right now, which was not his intention. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and then and that's when corruption runs rampant, right? And Gosh. and in any uh, ec- economics, um, I was just listening to somebody talking about this. Our economy and our free market system is built on trust. If you 100%. cannot trust the person that you're you are um, interacting with as a transaction, then your whole economy breaks down. And we, mm. we you you see this in other countries all the time. Yep. You're seeing that more now today. Again, we put our trust in a central authority, right? So what happens is fear comes in the in the hearts of man, and and governments know this. Authorities, rulers, kings, tyrants know this. You can get people with the two basic instincts of man. You can get and you can you can control them with these two basic instincts: fear and greed. Caesar knew that, right? With like the the whole Roman Empire, right? It was it's it, there's a quote attributed to Caesar. It's not from him, but it's attributed to him that said, give man a piece of bread and a spectacle and you can control them. Basically, that's what happens. Uh, Senator Jim McDermott, before he passed away, said you can get people to do anything with the use of fear. So the more fear is promulgated, the more we're like, oh, what do I do? Hmm. And then the government says, I have an answer, right? I'm not saying they contrive it. They probably do. I'm not a Q. I'm not a conspiracy guy. Uh, But governments know that by fear, you can get people to do anything you want. And they're willing to relinquish power because they don't know what to do, right? They don't know. And the more ill-educated you have them on the rights, the more the more slaves we become. We become yeah. the serfs in this in this type of government. So you got that serfdom type mentality, and so you see that more and more in other nations, right? And that's why you see economies fall because now it's all uh, centralized into one figurehead, which he's always the richest, and people get poorer and poorer and poorer. You're seeing that more in America today. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know it's it's really incredible uh, that our country has done so well for so long. Um, I was looking at some of the the facts. I got this from the congressional website. Uh, It says no nation has ever been under the same piece of paper as long as America has been under the Constitution. Um, And I I thought this was uh, pretty amazing. 200 over 220 years. And when you have all kinds of other countries, just uh, the the, their constitutions falling apart. I think it was uh, where was it? Chile just rejected a constitution, I believe, just last week. Um, said we don't want this and just scrapped it. And um, so, you know, in your, you, your father was an evangelist, you yourself um, are a pastor, you know, what caused you to decide that this was worth, I mean, was your pastor, I mean, was your father also interested in the role that government played? Or (laughs) when did you decide this was something that was important for you to, to uh, get involved with? No, man, quite the opposite. Let me, I'll just explain real fast. I grew up with a dad who told me, I, I this whole Democrat Republican stuff, I just can't stand uh, because they both have allowed a lot of things that are unconstitutional, both parties. Right. So I'm not a libertarian. I'm not any of that. So I don't even ascribe to a party. I just I'm an American. I'm a citizen. Whoever aligns closest to my values, I vote for. Right. I've never voted for a Democrat because they never <laughs> close to my values. Yeah. So it is what it is. But I've definitely voted for some libertarians, some people in the Constitution Party. So growing up, I was I was a pastor's kid. I hated the Lord when I turned about 15, 16. I was like, this is stupid for me. You know, I didn't get converted till I was 20. So I grew up with a pastor for a dad, never got saved, never done that stuff. 
But I was raised, and this is what he used to tell me, you need to vote for a Democrat because they're for the people. If you vote for a Republican, they're only for rich people. That's That was his mentality. And so when I got into, when I got saved in 2000, 2001, um, it was about 2004, someone gave me a DVD from David Barton. It was the original intent. Hmm. I, I was going into schools and I was, I was helping the Southern ministry I was in for a long time. And uh, we were getting told separation of church and state. It really frustrated me. I started crying out to God saying, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. Like, what about freedom of speech? That's all I knew about the Constitution or Bill of Rights or anything, you know. So I found out, you know, through David Barton, I, I was like, man, the first, the first Amendment was actually written for me to preach the gospel. It was actually a liberty document yeah. for the people, you know. I was like, wait a second. And I didn't know the First Amendment was actually helped drafted by two pastors, the Muhlenberg brothers. So it's like, why would they write a document to say the church can't speak when there's two pastors that actually helped draft that uh, that part of the Bill of Rights? And so when I went to my dad, I was like, dad, listen to this. This is what blah, blah, blah. For like 10 years, he was like, you're, you're wasting your time. You shouldn't be involved in politics. You're a preacher now. You should be focusing on the gospel, which I did. You know, I was always preaching. I was always in, you know, uh, doing street ministry and stuff like that. And then he heard a sermon by Jimmy Swaggart's son, who just had David Barton on uh, in 2013, 2014. He called me one day and said, dang, did you know that the government was, you know, our country was founded on God? I was like, no. Tell me, <laughs> I've been doing this for eight years and you yeah. would never listen to me, you know, but he since then turned his whole dynamic, you know, his whole paradigm shifted that the gospel that God is who creates government, that mm. God creates all these governments. He creates monarchies. And the one thing I wish people would understand about monarchies and these governments, like this is why I don't fear, because God sits in the heavens and laughs at him. Read Psalm 2. They think they have this great plan and all this other stuff. It's like. My hope is I know God's up there saying they really think they got one over on me and they don't. Mm -hmm. And my plans will always avail. And so Isaiah 55 comes to my heart when he's like, you know, my word won't return void. If I said you shall be free, you'll be free. So mm -hmm. there's all these things that resonate in my heart. That's why I have so much hope that so many churches are waking up now. People are waking up. We are doing what Second Chronicles says, praying and, and repenting and all these things. And God's really moving. And so I didn't know any of this stuff growing up. God and his sovereignty, like dropped it on me. And one day I hope to meet David Barton. I just want to tell him, thank you, you know, for, for, for continuing. And he's been doing this for almost 40 years, you know, yeah. and, and I'm fruit of that, you know, going into schools and things like that, uh, and colleges and, and churches now, uh, preaching these messages, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, same thing with me. I mean, he heavily influenced my thinking and yeah. I learned so much from him. Uh, what a, what an incredible and very unique individual. He's a um, fire hose, man. He is, he really is. Um, so, I, you know, what I really like about what you're saying is that you said, this is the reason I have so much hope because there are a lot of people, um, that are, you know, doom and gloom, doom and gloom, and they're not, they're not hopeful. They're like, Hey, things are really falling apart. And I mean, there is a lot to look around at and go, Okay, the government just hired eighty-seven thousand IRS agents, yep. and uh, we, you know, back when we were when when President Obama was president, um, he had to a certain extent weaponized the IRS, and so a lot of people are very afraid, and especially after what we went through with COVID, um, people did not did not think that the government would become this hostile, would become this aggressive True. in in doing things, especially here in California. Um, you know, people were people were back on their heels just going, um, what is going on? Where are we? What kind of, what country are we in? 
So you said, hey, there's a lot of really good things happening. And I think everybody wants to hear that. What is it you're seeing that you're you're so hopeful about? So so 2020 was the best thing that could have happened to us. Um, and, and, and I know that sounds very, very like <laughs> that is the stupidest statement I've ever heard. But hear me out. <clears throat> For a long time, Americans trusted, right? We just trusted our elected officials. We trusted a President Trump. We trusted. I say we because a lot of people put their hope in it. And I'm no different than any other Christian. I have my flaws and failures and faults and all those other things. I'm not saying President Trump is bad. I'm not, I'm not going there. What I'm saying is we saw governments all of a sudden immediately take authority and tell the church shut down. Hmm. What scared me about that is how many churches shut down. And I went to prayer. I was like, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. Like what? Where? Why would you close a place of hope and healing during a pandemic? You know, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But then all of a sudden I started traveling again at the end of 2020 and 2021 and, and places are starting to open up a little bit. All of a sudden I'm seeing churches suing their state, the John MacArthur's, the, yeah. the, you know, the guys out in California. I saw some people in Texas, Alabama, Ma uh, Minnesota, Massachusetts. So you saw these Michigan, these the churches started to stand against their governments. And all of a sudden the court systems were like, wait a second, you're right. Mm -hmm. First Amendment, you can't shut down a church. Then the pastor started to wake up. Then you had these guys come out and start being bold about their faith, right? You started to see pastors really stand. And I'm, this isn't a, a spike the football. I'm an assistant pastor, right? Yeah, My yeah. pastor didn't know anything about this stuff until I came to the church six, seven, six years ago. That wasn't a bad thing. I just started telling him, hey, they don't have the authority. So we started going to county council meetings and things like that, fighting for our rights. Well, we didn't shut down during the pandemic. We were one of two churches in our entire uh, county area, two county area, that did not shut down because of the pandemic. We're like, why would you, they don't have the authority to do that. And we believe in the God who heals. So yeah, dude, yeah. if you got an issue, come to our church and we want to pray for you. And so the hope that I saw was all of a sudden you started to see pastors take a stand. You saw Christians say, wait a second, I've been deceived here. Wait a moment. Then you saw, I'm in Florida. You saw DeSantis go, wait a second here. This isn't, this isn't right. And then all of a sudden he's standing against the federal government and you're like, there's the hope. You can yeah. try to you can try to keep Americans down, but dude, there is something about God. Ooh, I'm I'm gonna start crying right now. Um, <laughs> you know, if Abel's blood cried out from the from 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 the ground, you know, the innocent blood. I just saw God's people really take a stand, and you saw mm -hmm. court cases being won all over the country. So when you see this eighty-seven thousand IRS agents and all this other stuff, it's like, dude, I literally go to the Lord and say, Lord, they're but mere men. Your mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. So show us how to fight this thing. And let's do it constitutionally so people can see the Constitution is still a real document, that mm. the federal government doesn't have all this authority, that state governments can. I'm waiting for DeSantis to say, if those IRS agents want to come in my state, nope, we're going to nullify that. You saw sheriffs take a stand. In our county, our sheriff actually told the county council, I can't shut them down. They're a church. That's the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. So when you have a sheriff like that, you're like, they're the last constitutional stand before tyranny. And so they have that authority to stop the federal government in their tracks. And so yeah. we saw things little by little. We're like, oh, people, there are pockets of people. And I keep reminding myself of Noah, you know, and, and Abraham and those guys. And I keep reminding that, that prayer to, to, to God when he's like, what if there were 50 righteous, Lord? What if there were just 20 and 10? Well, Lord, there's more than 10 righteous in the city. There's millions of us that are praying, Lord. Yeah, so yeah. answer our prayers. There's hope for that, that we've seen this in the past. We've seen tyrannical governments. We've seen uh, people say, well, we've never seen this before. Dude, the king of England, was the new world order at the time. Yeah. I mean, he, he had so many, he had 13 and a half million square miles under his authority, half a billion people under his rule. I mean, he had, he had all of India, Africa, Asia. I mean, he had so many countries, the Americas, Canada, 
but yet the Lord saw fit to bless these 55, 56 signers, right? To, to, to create a nation. God saw fit to give that to them. Okay, so we went despotic. Do you think Second Chronicles stopped? No, I believe we're still crying out and God will eventually give us the victory. We're just going to go through a little hardship because we reap what we sow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We reap what we sow. And, and for a long time, there has been a lot of inactivity, but um, like you said, we've been seeing so many amazing things. Like it blew my my mind when uh, Roe Roe v. Wade was overturned. Uh, I just, that just stunned me. And um, you know, you see things like that and you go, you know what? We're not beyond hope. God, God can uh, do a reversal just like that. He can change things and he can move. I, and even in our own state, you know, I saw, uh, you know, our, our governor uh, Newsom, he, he is aggressive and very, very um, he just uh, seems very tyrannical, honestly. And sure. um, we actually had the, the um, ninth circuit, which is considered to be one of the most liberal courts in the entire country. In, in fact, the ninth circuit, their, <laughs> uh, their, their, uh, reputation is they've been overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court more than any other court um, because they've made so many poor decisions. But they ruled, the California um, Ninth Circuit Court ruled that Newsom overstepped his bounds when he told the uh, private schools in California that they had to close, that that actually violated uh, the law, which I was like, wow, if the Ninth Circuit is arguing that he overstepped his bounds. That's pretty incredible. And Amen. so, you know, and then we, we saw so many things. Um, a, a pastor up in LA um, said he had, they had over a thousand people baptized in one, at one time in one day um, at the beach. And they have never had anything like that happen before. And that was all during COVID. And, and uh, that was um, pastor Jack Hibbs. And uh, there, and there's a lot of stories like that of, of things happening and our own, my, the Christian school that I teach at, um, I'm, I'm the apologetics Bible teacher there, our, our, in two years during COVID, our attendance grew from under 1,000 to we are now over 1,700, which is wow. just stunning. Um, and everybody's been praying that, hey, God would pull kids out of the public schools and get them into, into the you know, Christian schools or homeschools or whatever, just yeah. not to be, their, their minds not to be polluted. And, um, it, you know, who knew that, that it would take something like COVID to, to begin that process. You know what I mean? It's almost like the Lord really has his hand on his kids, right? Like mm. it's almost, it takes a judgment like, okay, you've it, his judgment to me, you know, people think, you know, God's going to judge us one day. No, we're, 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 we're in it. <laughs> we're, we're reaping what we sown, right? Our kids are reaping the fruit of our, like you said, inactivity, uh, our lack of belief in God, you know, the transformation power of the gospel, all those things. And so this, t- to me, this is an opportunity. I- I- I'm stressing this as much as I can for the listener. Do you realize this is the most perfect opportunity to get your kids to start praying and seeing God answer their prayers? Mm-hmm. Instead of them clinging to your faith and just believing what you believe, they have the opportunity to see it's so, in some sense, according to the media, hopeless, the way the media promotes and promulgates their stuff. It's our opportunity to show our kids who, who God really is and that he does answer prayer and that God is real and he will preserve his, his remnant. He will preserve his covenant. Uh, God is that same God. He's never changed. Uh, but we do this default thing where we go, well, Jesus is coming back soon because it's so corrupt. Show me an era, dude, even 70 years ago where it wasn't corrupted. You yeah. know, where we had national clamp. Dude, 
the founders had, I'm sorry, I called you dude. I'm so sorry, bro. Uh, <laughs> I'm a dude. I just had one of my best friends. I prayed for him. He goes, you're a dude. You're a dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I try to be respectful, but like, this is just how it comes. But I, I'm looking at like the founding of America. When you have standing armies in the middle of the, of the streets, right? In some cases, some of these soldiers were going in, in into homes and like looting and in some cases raping their daughters and wives. This was real to them. You had a, a massive tyrannical government who would have destroyed like a little roach that America was. Yeah. They had that at the time. We don't have that yet. Now, people will say, well, he's weaponized 87,000 new people. And it's like, but the spirit of the Lord, bro, like the people like in America, you have there's what, 200 million guns in America. Not that I'm calling for a revolution. I'm not calling. No. For, what I'm saying is. If the founders did something really unique from from 1774 to 1816, there was over 1500 government issued days, states included of prayer and fasting. So when's the last time we're like, OK, we're going to as a nation fast and pray. Wow. We're yeah. going to do this. We're, we're going to seek the Lord. And uh, the first congressional prayer, right, was Reverend Jacob Duchesne, two and a half hours in a prayer service. They read Psalm 35. I was like two hours, I think it was. And, and those kinds of things. And it's like, when's the last time the listener, right, is has spent two hours of prayer for their nation, mm. for their family, for, for, for their church, for their leaders, for their schools, like that we have that same authority. We have that same power that they had, right? They, they were no special than we were, right? that God will still preserve us, even though we don't know everything he does. So yeah, let's yeah. trust in him, you know? So the hope is I'm not pumping you full of smoke. We're going to go through hell. We're going through it now. We're seeing a recession and, uh, you know, uh, inflation and, you know, food shortages. And to me, you, you can think what you want, but government's got their hand in that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden we have no baby formula. What the heck was that? You know? Yeah. That was weird. Right, right, right. All of a sudden cattle's dying out of like, what is yeah, going I know there's a, there's a lot of really strange things going on. Right. I, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, uh, automatically, uh, push any conspiracy theories off the table at this point in time. There's just too much weird stuff going on, <laughs> but you know what though? People are starting to come back to the family, right? Like yeah. homeschooling, uh, growing your own food, making sure you have your own preserves and things like that. Like making sure we're short up. And I just think the Lord is so good at teaching men it's time for you to be the man I've called you to be women. It's time for you to be the woman I've called you to be. It's time for your, to raise your sons in the nurture and admonition of God. It's time to raise your daughters in that same faith. All these things God is showing us through a pandemic. And, and it was, it was a blessing to it. Do you know how many people got saved during the pandemic? So we saw a sharp uh, rise in like depression, like 45% of homes uh, were, were more depressed and all these other things. But dude, some big influencers on YouTube that my kids used to watch are now saved. They're, they're reading their, they're, they're promoting Bible reading on their channels for kids. And oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, so, I'm seeing so many people um, come out and say, yeah, um, I've turned my life over to Christ and yeah. um, famous people. And you're, you're, I'm thinking like, wait a second, is this for real? Is this guy for real? But I'm praying for them. You know, I'm praying for them and yeah. saying, Hey, let's, let's pray hard that, that um, God is moving because it does make you it does make you, um, I forget what the stat was, but this was quite a while ago. And we just, we just passed September 11th, but I remember reading a stat specifically when September 11th happened, um, when nine 11 happened that the church attendance, something like quadrupled in New York after that event. And it's really sad, but people typically 
come back to the Lord during hard times. They, yeah. they, they recognize the brevity of life. They recognize the, the fragility of life. And then we go, Oh shoot, you know what? I need to get back with God. And I, I and, and sometimes that's just what it takes. And like you're saying, you know, COVID um, that's what it did for a lot of people and forced a lot of us to really, you know, go, wait, I need to reevaluate here and, um, yeah. and take, take account, uh, a better accounting of my life, you know? September 11th was one of those moments of I'm hopeless, Lord. Mm. <laughs> what do I do? Like, we just had a foreign enemy come in and attack our, our towers. First attack really of its kind like that, as far as like on our soil, not, I'm not, I'm not excluding Pearl Harbor here, but one of those kinds of attacks. And, and again, you can research and do what you think. But um, when you looked at that, people said, I'm hopeless right now. What do I do? dude, where liquor stores had God bless America, pray for one another. Like it was, I remember that I was in college at the time. Gosh, I'm old now. I was in college at the time. And I saw these signs everywhere about, you know, pray for one another, give each other a hug. Like it was such a unified thing mm -hmm. that, that I used to be, I used to be into WWF, you know, the, the wrestling company. Yeah. Yeah. I was saved. And I remember watching a show where they stopped the entire program millions on millions of people watch this and they're talking about America and God bless America and praying. And it, it was like, wow, you know, so then the pandemic hits and for the last 20 years, we've been pushing nothing but smut, believe in yourself. It's all about you. Yeah. The selfishness of yourself. And, and even sometimes in, our, in some of our churches, not a cap, uh, but the fruit of their, their ministries has been the self-centered gospel. And mm -hmm. so when crap hits the fan, it's about me right now. I'm preserving me, not about yeah. preserving my neighbor, not going to make sure my neighbors are okay. My, you know, we have two neighbors that are elderly. Like, do they need anything? You know, like the pandemic shut everything down. So you see the last 20 years of this progression of teaching kids. It's all about you and what you feel like. And the gospel is never really about that. It was about you transforming into Christ and your emotions correlate with Christ. And so there's this, there's this groundswell. Now you're seeing more and more churches, like I said, and I travel a lot. And so I see it a lot where these mm -hmm. little churches are really being an influence in their cities. And uh, you're just starting to see little by little, piece by piece. And now homeschooling co-ops are popping up everywhere. And, and like you said, private schools are popping up everywhere. And it, you're just, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm not an idiot, right? It's fearful sometimes, but I'm excited too. It's like, Lord, what are you doing in the back end of this? What are you doing that we can't see right now? You know? Yeah, I love that. Um, for those of you listening, my guest is Massey. Um, and his uh, website is the self truth.com. And if you want to check out what he's doing, Massey Campos, he speaks all over the country, um, really emphasizing the fact that our liberties come from God. And, yep. um, that's something we really need to appreciate and be grateful for the self truth.com. I wanted to share this fact because I, I find this, um, incredible and also encouraging. Um, these are just the most recent stats on homeschooling. Um, and because a lot of a lot of um, we saw this with the whole school board situation where where the government started labeling um, Biden specifically was labeling uh, parents as terrorists. This is crazy um, <laughs> yeah. because they were coming against their school boards, which are teaching things that are completely contrary to science, to uh, Christianity, to uh, just logic, just to common sense. And they're pushing these things out there. And so. Um, there is a movement now that p parents are saying, you know what, I'm going to um, take more of a, a uh, in, become more involved in my child's education. So check yeah. this out. Homeschooling um, has grown 
Uh, enrollment in homeschool programs nearly doubled from 1999 to 2016. So it went from 0.9 million to 1.7 million. In wow. 2020, before the coronavirus pandemic, more than 2 million children were educated in their home. As of 2022, right, so we go through COVID, there are about 3.7 million homeschool students. So uh, that stat is, is staggering. Um, we had an increase during COVID of 1.7 million um, families deciding, you know what, I'm going to get more involved in my child's education. And um, like you're saying, uh, you know, this, this was the uh, impetus. It was the spark that was necessary to cause people to wake up. So what I, what I, I think you are saying and what, what I feel too is, is that God was like, you know what? I, I don't want to crush you. What I want to do is I want to stir you up and get you moving. And yeah. so in his mercy, um, he knew what it would take to stir people up, but not crush them in despair. And so we have this opportunity. So God willing, um, we take something with us out of this. We don't just go, oh, hey, we're just going back to what the way it used to be. We're going to, but we're actually changing permanently and going in a, in a new direction. And Massey, that's my question for you is, you know, as somebody who's speaking all over the country, um, you know, I've seen you speaking at the homeschool conventions and, yeah. you know, what is your foot, what is your focus when you are, are speaking on particular topics? What is it that you feel is so necessary for people to hear um, that you go, you know, this is what we need to focus on talking about because this is where people are missing the mark and where we want them to carry this through and, and on into the, to, to their lives. Wow. Great question. And, and it's not loaded. It, it's just, so I, I think it was Wesley, John Wesley once said, when, when, when you're preaching, never leave people the same. You're either going to make them mad, sad, or glad. And I thought that was the most curious thing because it, it, it made sense after I understood it more and more. He says, if you, if you make them mad, <laughs> their consciences are pricked, right? They're going home thinking that little punk, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> telling me I'm in sin or whatever. You know, I wasn't. It was the Lord showing you what is often you, right? Yeah. If they're sad. They're repentant and they broken inside. And the Bible says he loves a broken and a contrite heart. He won't despise it. The Bible says. But if they're glad, you've encouraged them in their faith. And so what, whatever group I'm in, if it's a callous group, like a college per se, uh, very, very hate God most of the time, you know, if I'm at a homeschool convention, most of the time they're believers. I've met a few that weren't and a couple liberals that, that, that try to challenge you and things for the most part, though, they're believers. So my job is then I look at the men and I say, men, what are you doing with the future of your kids? You're here. Let's be honest because your wife drug you here. <laughs> you have the wallet. You're going to yeah, spend yeah. a grand here at this event, right? With all this curriculum stuff and t-shirts and all things that the, your kids are going to throw away eventually. Right. So, but I believe you were brought here for one reason was to show your kids how to be a man of God, show your daughters, what it, what, what a good husband looks like, right. What, a, what a future looks like. So, so what does that look like for you? Or are you missing your calling of God and you're afraid to step in it? Let me encourage you to walk in faith. My, that is my number one call to men. Same thing with the ladies. I encourage the women, especially who are moms, you were specifically chosen for those children. Those are your kids. So therefore you have a responsibility, right? And don't think that you're doing a bad job. Dude, the more that you don't know grows your dependency for the Lord. So don't look at your, I don't know, Lord, as a fault. Look mm -hmm. at it as more opportunity to pursue the things of God so he can show you how to raise your children in this world. When I reach kids, 
it is the coolest thing to watch, no matter what setting I'm in. The kids are the ones who stay and bring their parents a lot. Mm-hmm. They come to every, I'm not kidding, man. They come to all seven classes. I preach seven times in two days, hour piece, and then I'm praying for people and ministering. But those kids are like, gosh, he, this guy really believes in what he says. Mm-hmm. Like he really, I want to know that. And dude, the questions I get and like the, you know, uh, we're, a girl now is in Orlando. I met her in Ohio, her and her sister. She's like, Hey, I'm going to Orlando. Your, 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 your message really caused me to step out in ministry. And she's 19 or 18 right now, stepped out fully. God totally provided for it. She's like, I'd never would have done that. So you're seeing kids now take God at his word, right? That's my job. Then I go into, now let me disciple you about your rights, about scripture, about what God says about government, why Christians should be involved in government, why God gave us this government, why the scriptures that pastors use today are so out of context, i.e., let me give you one, uh, render to Caesar things that are Caesar's. That's why you give tax. We don't have a Caesar in this nation. Yeah. We weren't given a Caesar in this country. So that scripture at the time was written during a monarchy. The highest authority is the constitution. And if our authority doesn't obey that constitution of the people that we elect to represent us, mm-hmm. then we have an authority before God to hold our brothers and sisters accountable whom we've elected to represent us. So our, our system is so different. And when you start throwing these things at them, they're like, oh my gosh, I've heard for years from my pastor, we can't get involved in politics. And then they throw Romans 13. You're supposed to be subject to the higher authority. I am the constitution. That's why I speak against government because they're not submitted to it. So my duty as a citizen and a a child of God is to hold them accountable, just like I'd hold my Christian brother accountable. And so, and because I elected them, my vote is now before God. Isn't it my duty then to say resistance to tyrants is obedience to God, like Benjamin Franklin once said, or Mm -hmm. uh, like Paul said, I ought to be God rather than man. I mean, if Paul, Paul wrote Romans 13 when he was in jail for disobeying Mm -hmm. a government. And so like just throwing that kind of discipleship at them and then saying you were given the authority before the Lord to preach and to be a Christian and nobody can stop you. Yeah. This country was built on the fact you would, you should never receive persecution from a government for preaching the gospel. Never. Mm. That's the first amendment. So then you start to build their faith, right? Then they start to go, shoot, man, I can go run through a wall. And then I think (laughs) it's Psalms. When David said, by my God, I'll, I'll run through a troop. I'll leap over a wall. You've taught my hands to warm my fingers to fight. Yeah. It gives them that courage and that boldness to stand, right? And so whether you're homeschooled in a school, whatever, uh, it's the coolest thing to watch these young people and dads. Uh, I'll just tell you one story. I was in Texas here just recently. I, I don't know why, man. I'm just like on this cry thing, man. <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> testimony. I, and I, I'm taking a lot of time. I don't mean to, but. No, no, it's great. I love this, it. This dad came up to me and, and his name's Tyler. And he said, do you remember last year when you prayed for me and my family? And I said, yeah, of course I do. And Cause we stayed in touch through Facebook and stuff. And he's like, yes, my wife. Uh, and, and he said, I was on the brink of divorce. I, I, I didn't know what to do. And I came to the homeschool convention. I wasn't even into it, but I came to the last five year classes. And he said, we're, we're not only not divorced, you caused me to step out in this. My business is doing this. And I'm, I'm now a dad to my daughters. Oh, praise God. And, and it was like, you sit and you think you like, man, dude, you know, am I really making a difference? Lord, you know, I'm just preaching and like doing, and you look at those little things, man, you know, the, the kid that was in Michigan, I preached on constitution day years ago, several years ago. And he had a pentagram on his neck talking to me about Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, like a public school, bro. Like that's the stuff. Like, so when I can break past all the barriers, their excuses, I can preach the gospel or I can get encourage them in their faith. I think that's where I want them to be. And then I can disciple them on this government stuff. 
Yeah. See what I'm saying? That's where yeah, I, really I love want. it. So when you get them to that point, they may never believe, but then they'll understand, oh shoot, I understand why God created this because man's not above God. Yep. You see yep. What I'm saying? Yeah, I love it. And uh, I mean, it all comes back to like, you know, what your ministry is titled, the self-evident truth. Um, I, you know, I talk with my students about that and I'd say, what is a self-evident truth? You know, where does that come from? And um, it's something that we hold to be true. And intuitively, we know it's true, right? Um, That all men and women are created equal, right? Just like the word of God says, there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female. We are all one in Christ. And in God's eyes, we're equally loved and um, that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that no government can take that away. And so, and yet people just are completely unaware of that. I mean, people in government are trying to take away people's rights. It's crazy. And it's like, did they, did they ever read this? Do they understand what it means? And yet, like you're saying, if people don't know that, then then the problem is, is that it becomes tyrannical. And so we have, we have to educate people on this. So, um, man, it's incredible what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you to speak at their church or, or, sure. um, you know, or schools or somewhere, just reach out to you through the website or can, um, I'll also give you a phone number here. Um, never call me. Cause I'll forget. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, the, husband. I'm yeah. the guy I will forget. <laughs> I promise you I'm the guy. My wife actually says you have the shortest memory of life. True that. And, 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 and it serves me well in arguments. Oh, I don't remember. We got into an argument. What? Yeah. Uh, Wait, so, you never oh, said that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I never would say that, you know? Uh, but no, she, she is amazing, man. My wife has, has, has changed and transformed our ministry. She took over as CEO. She wrote, she's a boss girl, man. She's, she's amazing. Uh, and I needed to, cause I, I, I micromanage too much and I'm like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm making people angry. So you do it. I'll preach. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> cause I just want things run right, you know? And, and I had to trust people long story, but it's yeah. <laughs> so, uh, call my, call our phone number here at 612-237-6798, 612-237-6798. Um, and that directly, uh, goes to, to our office people, which one of them is my wife and she books a lot of the stuff here. Also go online, the selfevidenttruth.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram, self-evident ministry, Facebook. If you guys have social media, I actually took myself off of the phone. I, I don't, I don't have it on my phone. So I never check them, uh, but my wife does and others and they post uh, and that kind of stuff. So we will get your message and we respond right away. Uh, but we would love to be at your church or, or, or a school. Uh, we love doing those things. Guys, listen, what you see is what you get. You, we're not like highfalutin type people. I literally try to break it down as easy as I get it. So when I'm thinking about what I'm preaching, I think about that kid or that person in the seats. And I think about if I was them, what do I need to hear right now? And that's just how it comes out. And so, you know, we have a constitution course. Uh, it's called Live Liberated. We did it how I'm talking. You know, it wasn't like standing behind a library and saying, well, in 1774. No, we're alive about it, man, because God created something that we won't see. Like Daniel Webster said, we haven't seen this in 6,000 years. He said that 220 years ago. Yeah. He said, what has happened once in 6,000 years may never happen again. And so we're out to reclaim that for the Lord. Right. And so, yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, that's the best way to do it. And uh, listen to our podcast as well. We'll have these guys on uh, within three weeks, I'm sure, uh, to have them on because what they're doing is insane. I actually subscribe to it. So you need to subscribe to them uh, for my children because my kids love the Bible and they love history. Uh, so we needed another outlet. So thank you for what you do, bro. Because I think, you know, you and, um, I forgot. Jason, Jason, there you go. Yeah. Uh, 
when I met him, it was like, he didn't even need to sell me. It's like, Oh, supplements. Cause I don't know everything I yeah. want. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but I subscribe to you guys monthly and I love your stuff, bro. And thanks and tremendously. So sign up for what they're doing as well. You know? Awesome. Well, um, uh, man, it's been a real blessing having you on the program and, uh, um, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you better too. So, um, for those of you listening again, the self evident truth.com reach out. Um, he speaks all over the country. So if you're looking for somebody who can really speak to people in a way that's understandable and relevant and um, that they can connect with, then um, Massey is your guy. So uh, the selfevidenttruth.com. My website, of course, is educateforlife.org. And we've had all kinds of phenomenal guests recently. Last, last week, we had Mark Armitage, um, who uh, found the soft uh, tissue triceratops horn, largest triceratops horn ever found. Um, on the program. We had Andrew Pudua uh, a couple of weeks ago too, talking about um, the future of the country and what's happening. And then, and then uh, next week, we're going to get an update um, from Mark Newman on what is happening since Roe versus Wade was overturned. So what is now happening in the country? Um, uh, because that was a federal decision and now state by state, what's going on. And uh, we'll get yeah. an update there on what we can be praying for. And um, so uh, thanks so much, Massey, for being on and, um, look forward to connecting with you in the future, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having us, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. God bless you. you and too. we got, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, looking forward to uh, being with you again. Take care. Bye-bye.